Welcome to Evolve, Reinventing Leadership, Building Freedom Cultures, with CEO and award-winning author, Yvette Bethel. This podcast is dedicated to providing leaders with solutions to build trust, inspire authentic transformation, and improve engagement. Learn about new and tested ways you can revitalize your culture, empower people, and transform your results. This is Yvette Bethel, and it gives me great pleasure to welcome you to Evolve. Evolve challenges traditional leadership topics, explores modern leadership models, providing ideas you can use to transform your culture. We focus on leadership through the lens of interconnectivity, flow and balance, and we explore ideas that translate into practical applications for contemporary organizational challenges. The topic for this episode of Evolve is IntelliKey. And to explore this topic with us is chairman and founder of IntelliKey Academy, David Carter. IntelliKey Academy is David's mentoring legacy project where he wants to make a positive difference to millions by supporting them to actualize their potential and become the very best version of themselves. He is a tenacious visionary who bravely and courageously gets stuff done that others often thought impossible. David's belief in others is matched only by his restless frustration so that because so little is done to unlock the potential that we all have. The IntelliKey Academy practically addresses this challenge for the benefit of individual and society alike. So hello, David, and welcome hello. to Evolve. <laughs> Thank you for asking me to join you. Yeah, it's such a pleasure to have you, David. And, you know, when I heard the, the word intelligent, you had to tell me what it meant. So I think uh, I'm going to ask you to do that <laughs> at the beginning of this uh, conversation. Please help our audience to understand what is intelligent? What does it mean? What is it about? So um, Aristotle invented the phrase intelligent. And the entelechy of anything is the very best version of that thing with all of its potential fully actualized. Mm -hmm. And so, for example, the entelechy of an acorn is an oak tree. The entelechy of a caterpillar is a butterfly. And the entelechy of Yvette is the very best version of Yvette with all of her potential actualized. Mm. So how would someone know that their potential is actualized in your system? Um, well, um, they will set a goal to improve one of the 54 character qualities. And they will go on a learning journey, which will help them learn to become better at that character quality and then as people start to notice and validate that improvement and they collect those validations and then they can go for an assessment which ensures that they have understood the journey they've been on and what the benefits have been and what they've learned and applied and how it's worked and how it's improved their life mm -hmm. uh, and then they can get a, a badge, a micro-credential in that character quality, mm. which is accredited by three global awarding bodies. 
Oh. So you talked about character uh, and I'm curious about what makes Intelliki different and how does it challenge the old system of education and learning uh, the way that you've structured it? Um, I think there are two very simple ways to explain that. 99% uh, of the education system in the past assesses what was taught, not what was learned. And there's many, many academic research studies that show that if anybody sits the same exam where they got an A three months or six months later, they can get a yeah. C or a D. That's right. Um, and so, so first of all, our assessment, as I've just described, how you get a badge is awarded only when you've learned and applied something. Mm. So it's assessing, it's assessing your learning and application, not your understanding and knowledge. Um, and so that's, I think, the biggest differentiator over anything that's ever been done before. And the second is pretty obvious. Um, that no one has ever taught character as a curriculum topic. Mm -hmm. And so 90% of the young people that we introduce the IntelliKey framework to, their number one question is, why weren't we taught this at school? Why weren't we taught this at college? It seems so obvious that every one of these character qualities would help me improve my life in some way, whether it's at work or at home, in a relationship, as a parent. Um, and that's their number one question. And the number one question from the buyers, the HR directors and the um, training providers is how come no, no one's ever thought of this before? It seems so obvious. Mm -hmm. And we want all of our people to be good at all of these things. And so over the course of the last 10 years, the quality press has been inundated with reports on what's colloquially being called the soft skills crisis, the human skills crisis, the work ready crisis, where employers are saying to colleges and universities, look, you're sending us highly technically qualified people, but they've got no work ready skills. They don't know how to collaborate. They don't know how to communicate. They've got no critical thinking skills. They're not creative. And so it's all of those soft skills i hate the term but let's keep using it because everybody else does um i think soft skills are a lot harder to learn than hard skills but <clears throat> anyway um employers have basically said we need people to have basic human skills and, and they're not turning up you know from school or college with those skills but we in our framework we've created being skills which underpin mm. the doing skills and the doing skills lead to the aspirations that most C-suite people talk about. Mm -hmm. And so we've dug much deeper than the high level concepts that C-suite people talk about. We'd like our people to be innovators of change. Um, okay. Well, how do you do that? Well, you need to learn these five or six soft skills. Okay, well, how do you learn to develop those soft skills? Will you need to learn to be analytical and detailed and focused and um, adaptable, creative, mm. whatever those? And, and, and no one's ever taught those underpinning being skills. And so a quick example, a few months ago, I had the 
privilege of meeting the CEO of one of the big three global consulting firms, mm-hmm. uh, uh, change management consulting firms. And they had put all of their employees from graduate starters all the way through to the C-suite on a one week long time management course because they're, they bill in six minute increments. Mm-hmm. So time management is a sort of mission critical skill. But they acknowledged that after three years, their time management skills had not improved at all. Uh, despite a $2,800 per person course they'd sent everybody on. He showed me the course and he showed me the assessment at the end of the course. And of course, 90% of the people who ever went on the course have got an MBA or a higher qualification. So they all got 95% in the exam at the end of the course. So they'd understood what they'd been taught, but they hadn't learned it and applied it. Mm-hmm. And so I asked him, if you did a 360 every quarter in your organization and each individual's peers had to assess if they were organized, disciplined, accountable, responsible, reliable, and efficient, do you think they'd be good at time management if they got a yes to all of those underpinning character qualities? And he was like, well, has no one ever thought of this before? So, <laughs> um, so have I answered your question? Uh, yes, definitely. <laughs> yes, thank you. They said something powerful. They understood uh, what was what was taught, but they hadn't learned it. And um, it got me thinking about whether or not um, the academy works in tandem with uh, traditional learning or or teaching, as you put it, or does it supplant? Is it intended to supplant it and take the place of it? What? How is this uh, work? Um, that's a very good question. We've always seen that um, it works in tandem. Um, and so everything that school or college or a training program or even in the workplace in the daily flow of life that you do, if you're conscious about how you can become more adaptable doing that or more disciplined doing that or more analytical doing that, whatever the character quality is, you're actually learning and applying that learning in the flow of your education or in the flow of your work or in the flow of your life. And so it's got context. And so it's not theoretical, it's practical and applicable. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, every month um, at Antelike Academy, um, Amy, our chief operating officer, she has got us all every month to commit to working on one particular character quality. And we have two learning buddies who keep us accountable. We say which one we're working on and you know they'll give you comments and feedback during the course of the month if they can see improvements and, and wins. And in uh, April this year, despite the fact that probably 90% of the people I know would give me an extremely high score in being analytical, because of the work that I had to achieve in April, I decided to dial up being analytical. Mm. And so everything that came across my desk, every email that came into my inbox, every task I had to do, every spreadsheet I built, every negotiation I had that month, I was absolutely conscious in every action 
how can I be more analytical in doing this task? Mm-hmm. And just by being conscious of it, my capability dialed up significantly during the course of the month. And I think I pulled off a few things that I probably would have pulled off, but I pulled them off much, much better because I was very conscious about being analytical with everything that touched my desk. Mm. That, that uh, triggers another question. Um, you know, teaching, you, you made the comment that when people are taught, they tend to forget after three months, the, you know, the, the memory kind of erodes. And my question is, do you think that the way you teach uh, character, uh, character should be, uh, or the way you facilitate learning, should that be something that is uh, really transitioned to the other types of courses that are traditionally theoretical? And is that possible? Um, I remember many years ago, my son, Tom, was about 10 or 11 years old. And he came home from school and we were sitting around the kitchen table, helping him do his homework. And he looked at me across the table and he said, Dad, ever since you've been a grown up, have you ever needed to know how slowly glaciers move? What was that? Sorry. How slowly a glacier, sorry. Oh, America. (laughs) How slowly a glacier moves. And I said, "Uh, no, I don't think I have. Why do you ask? He said, why do they teach us this rubbish at school? Mm. You know, why don't they teach me how to do negotiations and um, selling or collaborating or, you know, what I'm going to need when I go to work or I start my own business? Right. Um, And I think my answer was, well, Tom, they're teaching you to learn how to learn. And he said, well, wouldn't it be useful if we learned things that were useful? (laughs) (laughs) He's his father's child. (laughs) And and so I think the answer to your question is, I know that um, academics would say whether you're learning Latin or geography or physics or chemistry or maths or English, or it doesn't matter what it is, you know, you have to learn how to learn that subject. And there is a way that they're teaching you to learn that subject. Um, The fact that, you know, a month later, a year later, or 10 years later, you can't remember anything you were taught at school in history or geography, and you've never used it ever again, is a shame. Um, And so I don't think it's above my pay grade to suggest how we could change the whole of the education system. But one suggestion (laughs) I would make is that everything that is taught is given a context about how learning this in this way could be used and applied in the future. And so, you know, um, and so it's given context. And I think, you know, an earlier part of your question, I think the answer is context. Mm -hmm. Uh, Each character quality you know, that you want to learn, you apply it in a context, you know, in my relationship, in being a parent, being a colleague, being a boss, being an entrepreneur, it doesn't matter what it is. You know, you're you're thinking about what would the benefit to me be 
of mm -hmm. dialing up that character quality in that context. Oh, it would be this. Now I can see what the benefit would be by applying it. Mm -hmm. And so to me, it's the context that then creates the applicability. And so, um, you know, all the things that you learn at medical school, you realize that when you become a doctor, you may well end up applying all those things. So there is a very uh, proper place in a medical school environment for learning all the stuff you learn to be a doctor. Um, it's a great shame that during a seven year medical degree, you only spend one hour learning nutrition That's uh, <laughs> and only one hour learning about immunology and mm. what have you. But, um, but if during the course of that medical career, you also learn to be curious and you learn to be analytical, the doctor might start thinking, okay, well, I know if I give the person this tablet or this cream, uh, it will remove the symptom and I've done my job. But if they were a bit more curious and a bit more analytical, they think, well, actually, what's the root cause of this? And so they could deal with the problem, not the symptom. And so I think by learning those character qualities, any career, any profession means that you can become the entelechy of yourself in that profession. You become the best version of yourself in that profession. You become a better doctor, a better nurse, a better engineer, a better scientist, a better graphic designer. It doesn't really matter what it is. And so the character qualities underpin all learning of any subject and what they do in the right context is help you dial up those characters because you can see the benefit of being more of that so it's not that um i mean i i have lots of challenges and issues with education i think it really isn't fit for purpose anymore it doesn't equip young people for the future you know my generation there were plenty of people who left school and went to work in 1977, you know, when I left, left school, um, who genuinely have had a career for life. They joined HSBC, they joined the civil service, they went to work for Marks and Spencer, the retail, and they stayed there their entire career, BP, Shell, and they had a career for life. My daughter has had more jobs and careers since she left school than I've had in my lifetime. Mm -hmm. And in 10 years time, there will be jobs that she'll be capable of doing that don't exist today. My daughter will realistically have eight to 10 careers in her lifetime. And so what we need to do is teach people how to be adaptable and bring their full potential to that constantly changing environment because character underpins everything. You know, what you're talking about reminds me of, uh, I like a lot of Asian uh, period movies and uh, the, the martial arts, they uh, teach them a whole lot of skills, you know, calligraphy, whatever. 
And when they uh, have come to a certain point, they are allowed to go out into the world and so that they can discover uh, who they are, what their strengths are, you know, and, and dig a bit deeper. And it seems to me that aspects of that, um, you know, they've prepared them with skills that they may or may not need because <laughs> some will be better at some things than other. And it gives them the opportunity to learn as opposed to being taught. And, and, uh, and then they send them out in groups, which I, I found very interesting when they're very young. So um, with that, you can see it's like a hero's journey where they learn a lot uh, about themselves and each other and, and being another, you know. And uh, it seems that we're missing something and, and what you've tapped into is that that character is a big part of this. Um, but how do we address this? Uh, uh, I think character is one part and purpose, uh, which is, is deeply connected, uh, is another. How do you connect the two? What am I connected to? How do you connect the two in, in IntelliKey? How do you bring it together? <clears throat> well, uh, my philosophy and our philosophy is that your purpose is to become the best version of you and to actualize all of your potential. That is your purpose, mm. whether it's as a parent, a teacher, a boss, an employee, it doesn't matter. Your purpose is to actualize all of your potential and you achieve that by optimizing your capability in each of the underpinning character qualities that will enable you to optimize your potential. Does it, does it matter uh, if, if a person is optimizing a strength, a strength that is uh, a strength versus uh, part of their talent? Because you have a lot of people that are good at a lot of things um, and it's very difficult to tell. Like, how do you differentiate between the two, talent and strengths? Well, there are you know there's the age-old nature nurture argument mm. and so our belief is that every baby born on this planet has the potential at birth to be brilliant all 54 of these character qualities and uh many of them are knocked out of them through schooling parenting church all sorts of different things social media, the media, um, but they still have that innate potential. Mm -hmm. And and so in adult life, this becomes an unknown unknown until it's introduced to them and it becomes an unknown unknown. And people go, gosh, I never thought of that, but it's so obvious. Um, <laughs> it's almost like they, but you know, it doesn't matter whether it's the character quality of being wise or visionary or vulnerable or optimistic or humorous mm. or calm or kind. Everyone has the innate ability to be brilliant at all of them. And, and through nurture, everyone can become better at them. Mm. 
Yeah, that that's really optimistic because a lot of times people feel like your character is, you know, pretty much ingrained <laughs> from a, a, a from childhood. So it's it's great to hear that you, you can do it. You can change. Well, it. I, I think that um, I've got twenty five years of real practical mentoring experience where people said, well, I'm sorry, I was born like this, I was brought up like this mm. and, I can, and I can never change, that that's who I am. And, you know, through playfulness or, or whatever the, the mentoring modality was, right. I'd get them to try something out, yeah. an experiment. And every single time they were like, oh my gosh, that worked. I didn't think I could do that. And so, I, I just know that however ingrained the belief is, and it's only a belief that I'm hardwired like this, it's just not true. And so then what you need to do is shift the belief. And once you've an improvement in that as possible, miracles happen. I'm going to shift uh, perspective uh, a little bit. And uh, because I saw a statement on your website where a client indicated that they ditched CVs from the recruitment process because who you are matters more than what you know. And, you know, I, it really resonated with me. And I am so curious about how did you get them there? How did, you, how did they come to that point? Um. <clears throat> I'm sure that you and many of your listeners have had the same experience that I've had many times in my career where you advertise for a job role or give it to a headhunter or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they say, oh, we've got a long list of 100 candidates who meet your criteria. Um, and, okay, well, how do we whittle it down to a short list? You know, because I'm looking for someone with these character qualities and these soft skills. And they're like, oh, we we don't know. We'll have to have a look through their CVs to see if there's anything that jumps off the page. And you end really? up with ten. You end up with ten CVs. And apart from the fact that one's called Janet and one's called John, you know, they've all got identical experience, identical qualifications. Right. And there's nothing there. But the interview process is all about trying to figure out who you are. Will you fit into my team? Will you fit into my culture? Um, are you aligned to our values? And so the interview process, and by the way, most people who are doing interviews are terrible at it. Most people who do interviews, I've seen people do interviews and take up 90% of the time talking themselves about the company, trying to sell the company to the applicant and they don't listen. And, um, sure. And so if you, and I've done this experiment many times, I did it a few weeks ago with a friend who's a FTSE 100 CEO, who'd had three people in a, in a C-suite role in three years, all with, from top universities with first class honors degrees, worked for big companies, you know, with experience, and they, none of them fitted in. So I sent him our one page framework with the character qualities and the soft skills and the aspirations all set out on one page and said, right, now write the, the role description. And he went, oh my God, I'd forgotten this. Of course we need that. This is so important, that's so important. And the fact that there's no framework, there's no taxonomy, 
is one of the big problems. When you show it to people, they go, oh, of course, we need this, that, and the other. So it's a simple tool. And then you say to people, when you get the people in for interview, interview for the soft skills and character qualities that you know will be needed in your organization. And what we've done is create a feature in our app called Signature, mm -hmm. which shows what your strengths and your growth opportunities are in terms of character qualities. So you can turn up for an interview and say, 10 of my peers think I'm really good at this and really good at that, and here's the evidence. And I'm working on this one and this one as well. To employers, they're like, oh my gosh, this is what we need to talk to them about, not their CV. That's right. It's like you get the you get the interview because you've got the right qualifications and experience, but so the other 99 people. But when you turn up with signature, or or even if you attach signature to your CV, I assure you, you zoom straight up the pile to get interviewed first because you're <laughs> and so um recently about three weeks ago um sky the big uh, media company in the uk they ran an advert and it said we don't care what um you studied at university or exam grade you got in fact we don't even care if you went to university do not send us your cv send us a three-minute video answering these three questions telling us about these three character qualities uh, yeah. and so um, and by the way we'll teach you marketing and so with the war for talent which is only just begun mm -hmm. big time for, for lots of reasons that i don't think we've probably got time to go into but, uh, <laughs> it's another you know, it's another if, episode. <laughs> yes, but any, you talk to anyone who employs more than 20 people or up to 20,000 people. I was talking to a, one of the top three food retailers in the UK last week with 117,000 employees. And none of them can find staff. It, there's a real talent shortage. And that's because 75% of the UK population are proactively looking to change their careers. And they've had that existential audit of their life during lockdown and decided to make. So now they're wanting to work for a company that has a purpose that's aligned to theirs, that's got values that are aligned to theirs, mm -hmm. that doesn't do anything harmful to the uh, economy or to society or to the climate or whatever. And and they're interviewing to find out who you are as an employer. That's right. And oh. employers need to wake up and realize that the reason that it's so hard is because it's a talent buyer's market. And so sense. they need to start thinking about, well, if you want to join us, here's the kind of character qualities and the soft skills that we're looking for and that we live by and and then applicants say well look i've got those strengths in my signature and then you'll go straight to the top of the of the queue oh, that's powerful you know as a as a final question um you wrote a book called breakthrough and i'd like to invite you to make the connection, because I think it is about these character traits. 
I haven't had a chance to read it yet. But uh, what is one of the success secrets that you shared in your book that you would like to leave our listeners with? Um, gosh, this <laughs> one. Okay. Uh, my favorite one in the book is failure isn't falling down. Failure is staying down. Interesting. Interesting. So in the context of character, can you connect the dots for our audience? Um, well, I think that, you know, failure isn't falling down, failure is staying down absolutely applies in my life. Mm. I've been a s successful serial entrepreneur uh, for 35 plus years. Um, but at the beginning of lockdown, a company that I'd spent three years raising lots of money for failed because we couldn't finish our fundraising because of COVID. Mm -hmm. And um, it was the most horrible two months of my life. 30 staff lost their job, the investors all lost their money. But one of the investors who was the biggest investor took me for a walk around a big park in London and reminded me of the saying from my book, failure isn't falling down, it's staying down, and said, if you go again, there are many of us who are willing to back you. And six of the team of 10 people in Intellic Academy all lost their jobs, all lost money, and have all gone again with me. Mm -hmm. And so the character qualities are, there are many involved in that story. One is being humble. One is being visionary, one is being grateful, one is being harmonious, one is being focused, disciplined, adaptable, resilient. Mm -hmm. It's, and these, you know, it's not in, in any situation, in any context, there are aspects of what you might need to do that involve a number of character qualities. And I think I've hopefully just given you a good example in my own personal life. Yeah, that's a powerful ending for our conversation as well. Um, with that, I'd like to thank you, David, for such an, really, this has been an engaging interview. So thank you. Your insights will certainly help our audience to evolve. Um, before we go, I'd like to invite you to share with our audience, how can they get in contact with you? Um, the website is www.entelechy.academy and my personal email address is dcmc delta charlie mike charlie my initials um at entelechy.academy wonderful so this has um, been oh go ahead no no maybe we ought to spell entelechy for people <laughs> oh go ahead you can go ahead E-N-T-E-L-E-C-H-Y. E-N-T-E-L-E-C-H-Y dot academy. Right. So with that, I would like to close. And this has been Yvette Bethel and David Carter. And we thank you for taking the time to join us on Evolve, Reinventing Leadership, Building Freedom Cultures. 
Thanks for listening to Evolve, reinventing leadership, building freedom cultures. Join our vibrant network of leaders who are challenging the leadership paradigm in an innovative learning and impact network. Check out our webpage at ifbnetwork.co to learn more about and join our exciting ecosystem of high-performing leaders.